Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man, and you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 109 i'm your host my name is j m clark please excuse me while i flick my bick you gotta give me a ride i'm way too big to drive to the devil's house hi everybody it's great to be here again with you this week This podcast has been the lucky recipient of many, many fine independent comic-creating guests. We have had many, many fine Kickstarter-kicking guests on this show. This week, we're gonna keep that flow rolling. Although first, I would just like to mention a couple of cool things that, uh, that happened that got me excited. The only reason I have to bring them up is because I have a podcast. And you're apparently supposed to talk about these things on fanboy podcasts. And I'm a fanboy. I may be a ganja enthusiast fanboy, but that doesn't change my fanboyness nonetheless. Because I just need to share. I just need to get it out. I just need to vocalize these things sometimes. We are so close to Doctor Who. We are so close. So close to Doctor Who. It's like a month away. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. I feel it growing. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Mr. Peter Capaldi to be flying around in that beautiful blue box again. Oh, there was like a three minute trailer released. I'm sure everybody's seen it. It's very exciting. Uh, I watched a couple of videos of people breaking it down and shit, you know, and explaining a few things. I don't think there was too much to explain. People theorizing about certain episodes and such because of. Uh, costumes or whatever i don't care i just i just can't wait any kind of trickle just gets me excited you know what i mean so in a month that's gonna happen Uh, all you whovians i'm very very proud to hear that the spoilers haven't really spoiled anybody or anything and anybody who has bothered to go through the uh leaked online episodes or trailers or scripts or what have you i'm very very proud of most of you for not having done so anybody who has we're not hearing about it so everybody seems uh, super cool on that front so keep it up, kids. There's only one month to go, and then you'll see it in your proper glory, and everybody will get to see it together. 
together as one and uh that'll be that'll be kind of neat that'll be kind of nifty and uh brand new doctor brand new doctor oh that's so exciting not tons much else has been going on kids typical things superman became the atom uh that happened you know green arrow's cousin became firestorm and firestorm became white i guess uh, i'm not sure how the origin started there i know it was two people the professor and the kid i think one of them was black and one of them was white isn't that how it worked i wonder if he'll have that alter ego in uh green arrow there or is he in flash which one's in which the adam's in green arrow right yes and steve amell is steven not steven amell whatever the other guy's name david andrew john bruce i don't know the other amell the dockhead amell will be appearing in the other one but uh, good on you. Those are some good old Canadian boys, uh, as well as Brandon Routh, I believe. Or am I wrong? I'm probably wrong about that one. Brandon Routh might be Canadian. Totally blanking on that one. It's unfortunate that uh, it's not a cause for me to really want to investigate further. So let's get back down to the business of what's going on this week on an elegant weapon <clears throat> i was on twitter as many of us often are and uh i got a new follower a while ago we were following each other for a couple of weeks now and uh, it was at andy and corvus and uh the title was mad world and i thought i remembered following them and being like that's pretty cool i gotta check that out one day well weeks later this pothead got around to it and actually was like ah oh, mad world that sounds like my kind of deal I enjoy maddening things. So I checked out Mad World because Mad World has a Kickstarter. And uh, <clears throat> I got in touch with the artist of this uh, particular story. The story of Mad World. Uh, Patch Silver. And I said to Patch, I said, this is beautiful. I saw the pictures and things up on Facebook and at their Kickstarter. And it's beautiful. It was as simple as that that it caught my eye caught it with a fishing hook right through the fucking cornea and it popped that out of my head i said here look look at this even closer than you already are uh there's a character in this book corvus uh please check out the episode art um if you're listening to this through itunes or stitcher or any other means that we are in fact available through even the uh points of interest podcast network uh, by the way, I hope you all enjoyed that chat that Josh had with uh, Sam Whitwer. That was uh, that was really cool of him to go on. It's like seven minutes of Whitwer heaven. So I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, what was I saying? I don't know. Something about something going on there. But uh, oh yeah, where you can listen in this place. Uh, but if you go to www.anelegantweapon.ca, you'll see the pictures that I'm going to post, and there'll be a link there to the Kickstarter which is fabulous and beautiful, and there's a little video there of Patch explaining the uh, whole situation. But uh, if you'd also like a more in-depth explanation of the story of Mad World, I'm about to give it to you. This was a fantastic chat. This was uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a nice, long talk about many things, and uh, I, I didn't mess with it, and I'm not going to mess with it. No, uh, no sugar on this, because no sugar was necessary. No thanks, Turkish. Oh, I'm sweet enough. So uh, that's what's going to happen there. And this is just going to be a great like hour-long straight-through conversation with uh, with our new friend, Patch Silver, about his project, his beautiful project, Mad World. Please, please go to Kickstarter. Check this out. Support if you can. Do what you can. 
uh, I think it'll be worth it. So uh, please, everybody, enjoy my conversation with Mr. Patch Silver of Mad World. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I always love getting the chance to do this because, uh, you know, man, uh, I was just literally, like I usually meet most of you guys, is uh, is Twitter. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I checked out your Kickstarter, simple as that, and uh, some of that shit blew me away, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's always nice to hear that. Oh, man, Corvus? Yeah, the the crow. Holy shit, that's cool shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I get from everybody about that character. Is that everybody loves that? Okay, so break it down for me. Um, as far as artist, writer, uh, who who's doing what, who's involved? Is it just you yourself, or you got a team going? No, it's it's actually uh, just me and my writer who lives in the UK. Cool. And uh, we correspond over Skype, and. Um, he, I met him over Facebook uh, about, I want to say, in December, and we were throwing around comic book ideas, and I told him, I was like, look, you know, all these ideas we have sound really generic. I'm like, but I have a novel that I wrote, which was 120,000 words. Jeez. Like, yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> it actually it started off as these short bedtime stories for my son, and I just started writing them down. And um, anyways... And I was like, you know, just look it over, and if you want to change some stuff, that's cool, and let's turn that into a, a comic book. And um, he's like, well, that's easy enough. We got the material right here in front of us, and he turned it all into a script, and I've been drawn away ever since. So, um, that's that's awesome, man. I've heard a lot of teams that came together that way. A lot of comics. There's some beautiful comic books that have been released, and they haven't even met each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, artists and. Uh... In fact, today. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tart. Mm-mm. Okay, it's a it's a few volume issue comic book. It's an it's an amazing book, and it's by uh, Kevin Joseph is the writer, and uh, Ludovic Salé is the artist. And they did this entire project having never met. I, they did ev- eventually meet at a comic con. Um, oh no! Yeah, they got a booth together at one, and that's how they. It might have been New York Comic Con. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, they did this entire beautiful project and it got funded today in like four hours on kickstarter oh no kidding yeah it's it's a great book and uh yeah but they'd never met they just met on like uh like you say i think it was like facebook or twitter probably twitter most likely you know yeah yeah th- that's really cool to do that because like where, where i live i don't there's not a art scene or a you know a very big uh litter or sorry literature scene or anything anything like that so yeah, it's really hard to get together with people and try to collaborate. But yeah, I can imagine it's kind of difficult. We're lucky here in Toronto. There's a thriving community. There's you know there's tons of that going on. But oh, I didn't know you. Were, I thought you were in Colorado. No, my co-curator. Uh, kids listening to this, uh, y'all know El Hawkes, Josh Hawks. He's uh, my co-host on another podcast, and my co-curator on the Points of Interest podcast network. And he's in Denver. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so I get to hear a lot of stories about that that place all the time. And, yeah. Uh, it sounds like paradise it does overall. <laughs> it sounds what? like a place I want to live. If I lived in the U.S., I think I'd want it to be Colorado. Oh, uh, well, yeah, Colorado's beautiful. You know, it's got all four seasons. Um, but uh, Denver, I, I lived in Denver for a while. I, I, I'm not a really fast-paced kind of guy, so it kind of wore me out. 
<laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Place in Colorado was wore you out enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should see Toronto and stuff. Jeez, it, it is cool. Though. That's one good thing. You know, I'm not a big city guy myself. Like, I live in a suburb outside of Toronto. I live in a city called Mississauga right next to Toronto. And it, uh, it's it's total suburbia. It's like malls everywhere type place. But I can kind of handle it here, but I cannot handle I could never handle living downtown Toronto. Like, oh, yeah. it is a benefit that there's a, an amazing art scene, theater scene, you know, entertainment district. And there's so much awesome stuff going on in Toronto art-wise and culture-wise. But living down there, man, no. I just, I would freak out. I'd go falling down, I swear. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's too much. It's a lot to take in when you're in a big city. But it's fun. I mean, there's plenty to do. Um, but, yeah. So, uh you uh you checked out the uh, Kickstarter. I did indeed check out did, the Kickstarter. Did you did you have a chance to check out the uh, Facebook page? I haven't seen the Facebook page yet. I didn't realize, but uh, or have I? I can't remember. I'm not great with Facebook. I'm I'm not on it enough to remember what I've done. <laughs> 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 but uh, I'll definitely be looking it up now that you've told me you have one. But uh, why do you have cool like pictures and stuff up there? Yeah, there's a there's a lot more of a like concept uh, art. Um, okay. Right. Like, uh, I think tomorrow we're gonna start releasing pages for the demo of the book, just to give people a uh, quick run through of what what's going on, what's it about, and stuff like that. So. Very very cool. Um, your your Kickstarter is pretty straight up too. I mean, if anybody checks it out there on Kickstarter Mad World, uh, you pretty much lay it out pretty good there, you know. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we were watching Kickstarter for like a couple months and we're like, we should just put it up there even if it fails. I mean, there's, you see stuff on Kickstarter that's funny and you're just like, how did that happen? Yeah. And, <laughs> and <laughs> we figure, you know, we might as well just get a whack at it. So far, I mean, we, I think we've collected 10%, but, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a great tool to see, uh, how many fans you really do have and, uh, what you need to improve on. So. Yeah, it's a good way to test and gauge, and like I'll be straight up, like I'm I'm happy I'm happy to help have you guys you on the show, and talk about your guys' book because it literally just caught my eye, and uh, you know because I, I saw it first I was like Mad World that sounds interesting I like mad things, so I checked it out, and uh, the first picture I saw of Corvus I was just like okay now they got me now I'm there. And that was enough for me. That's why you're on the show, because I saw that picture of Corvus with the staff and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is this is right up my alley. This, I, I think it's just gorgeous. I think what you're, what you're doing is just... <clears throat> I'm, I want to help get the word out with you, because kids, you need to see this art. Like, it on its own should be getting this Kickstarter funded. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hoping your story's good, and it sounds pretty interesting. Like, I'm, I'm excited to read it, but I really – I don't even care if it's not that good because <laughs> I'm sure it's great, but the the art's just fantastic, you know? Well, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, I, I hope the story actually pulls more attention than the art does, you know, because that, this story is really, really dear to me. It's, I'm really passionate about it. Uh, uh, I mean, I just – the way that I got, like, Corvus for Mad World – was that I started drawing these animalistic creatures of my brothers and sisters because I got ten of them, and they all got different personalities. And, what? And, you know. Do you have ten brothers and sisters? I do. 
Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, anyways, so I, I drew my brother as the as a crow because he's a really skinny, lanky guy, and uh, he plays the bass. And I drew this picture like four years ago. And I was like, oh, that is just a cool character and i'm like what if he was like gandalf i was like oh that would be cooler and you know and then and then my writer was like let's turn him into an assassin too and i'm like oh my gosh he's gonna be gold (laughs) (laughs) there's also the one other picture of him where i don't know he's like shooting something out of his staff there's like blue power or something yeah that's that's part of the sketchbook i i carry around a sketchbook and just sketching it all day long that shit is sick that picture there that's that make it for a beautiful print there if you're ever to con or make prints make that one a print ah well i drew that in like 10 minutes i think i can really holy shit we'll do a better it's just the stuff itself (laughs) like corvus looks cool but just the way you did the like this i don't know what the hell to call it coming out of his staff you know just the the magic stuff yeah yeah. the magic stuff totally (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome magic stuff you know so yeah yeah, that's that's wicked i'm sure it's uh you know you got to have a balance too at the same time you know that's why it's hard sometimes like you will find a book that's like so amazing and there's just nothing to it and it's always beautiful when like a book like tart i was talking about earlier it's it's a perfect balance you know it's just so simple it's beautiful yeah and the the, the art just complements the writing and nobody's trying to push on each other and they're just they're just working so well and so nice they're just complement each other so well you know yeah yeah so yeah Yeah, well well, my writer i mean he he is nothing but like exceptional when it comes to writing he is amazing writer he's he's british so he's got i mean sometimes gotta like lay it down for him be like look we can't be this vulgar (laughs) i'm like i want kids to be able to read this and not run away dude sorry what's his name again it's rick uh yeah it's reich right sorry yeah his uh that's his middle and last name actually his is he i call him sean okay um (laughs) but that that's his pseudonym like pat silver is my pseudonym so right 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 yeah it's the best way to keep the NSA off of us, I guess. Well, it was—it's a smart move. You're like, I need a—I need a writer. I'm going to Skype someone in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they know the English language better than we do, so you know. Well, it's the same thing. I—I'm not trying to bring this up. It's obvious. It's honestly just there's certain parallels between your Kickstarter to me and this comic, Tart, because Ludovic Salé is French. And uh, Kevin Joseph is in the States, and it's the same thing. It's it's not often that you hear, you know, much cross-continent and country and collaboration, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's incredible that we live in a day and age where, you know, you can hook up with a writer from England across the pond, and you guys can create fucking art together. You can create a comic book together. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, because I, if I think he was here in the States when we were hanging out, I would have choked him by now, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably good. It's it's good. You have that neutral zone between you then, you know? Yeah. yeah. Have you been dr- the... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Have you been drawing all your life? Uh, yeah, since I was a little kid. You know, I, I hate saying that, though, because I'm not that good. Um, what? You know. <laughs> no, believe me, I am not that good. I know how to cheat it is the best way i can put it um but yeah i've been drawing since i watched jurassic park when i was six i started drawing dinosaurs and i was so enthralled with dinosaurs i couldn't stop and then uh just uh picked up some comics when i was 12 and uh they just drew me so deep into them i was like oh my gosh this is beautiful why haven't i not ever seen these before 
And uh, then I just started drawing all this uh, J. Scott Campbell and um, Todd McFarlane stuff. So that's what I used to draw when I was a kid. Because when I was when I was a young kid was when uh, he took over Spider Man. Oh yeah. That's all I did was draw Spider Man because his Spider Man was just so fun to draw. Oh yeah, with yeah. the spaghetti spider webs and. Yeah, I'll never forget yeah. seeing that first issue when he's fighting. I think Chance it was and. Uh, it was the first time McFarlane had done those webs on the cover, and I was just like, why the hell are barbed wire coming out of Spider-Man's fucking web <laughs> shooters? I totally thought that's what was going on. And then I realized it took me like an issue or two to really, as a little kid, I was like, fucking, like, what the shit is going on here? Okay, this is just the way this guy does this. Okay, there's no reason for it. But it looks cool as shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd McFarlane's a fucking genius. Yeah, he's uh, his Wolverine too. The way he does his Wolverine, he draws. He pretty much draws Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit bulkier, and uh, yeah, it just makes him look a hell of a lot more meaner and cooler. So, so yeah. I guess that's the kind of stuff that influenced you. Then, uh, what kind of stuff are you into nowadays? Comic book wise, yeah. I actually don't read anything new. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like if I buy comics, it's all nostalgia comics, like. Um, because I'm the kind of guy, if I find something I like, I'll just hoard on that, you know? Right. And just, uh, like, I almost got every issue of Gen 13. Oh, yeah. And I met, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I met J. Scott Campbell uh, last month, and I was just blown away. I couldn't talk. I was about to pass out. I was like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always funny when you guys, see, see, I like to draw, and, I, you know, I, I'm okay. I know I'm okay. I'm not in any way good enough to draw a comic book or anything, but... You know, I enjoy drawing and have enjoyed it enough in my life that I got to an, an okay, decent point at, at doing it, you know? Uh-huh. But when I see these artists who I know have just poured hours and hours and hours of their life into it, and they finally get to meet their fucking idols, the guys whose pictures they've been copying for years to try and learn, <laughs> they just yeah. turn into f- such fucking fanboys. <laughs> it happened at Fan Expo. I'm standing there, and I'm talking to Ryan Stegman. Sorry, no, it wasn't Ryan Stegman. It was, uh, oh, I was uh, David Finch, right? Right, right. And he's sitting there, and to his right behind the table is uh, Jason Fabok's table. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and so they're sitting there, you know, and, uh, you know, they're both local boys, right? Like, they're they're both in the Ontario area here. Like, there's a mad amount of artists coming out of Toronto area right now. It's fucking insane. But, you know, so they're there. They're hanging out. And uh, I hear over my left shoulder, I hear this gruff voice come around and be like, hey, Jason, I want to introduce myself. <laughs> and I turn around and there's fucking Greg Capullo. <laughs> and he fucking, he reaches across the table and he shakes his hand. And he's like, I just want to introduce yourself, say I'm, I'm love what you're doing, blah, blah. And Fabok just goes, fanboy. Just like, oh, man. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I can't believe I'm meeting you. You're the awesomest. You're the biggest fucking influence. And he's just he didn't go completely nuts, but he was really excited. And you could just see it in his eyes. He just couldn't believe he was meeting Greg Capullo. And okay. uh, so before Capullo walks away, I stopped him and I was like, guys, you've got to let me get a picture of this. So I actually scored the only picture of the first time that Greg Capullo and Jason Fabok ever met. <laughs> no kidding. You should have yeah. sold it back to them, man. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I just tweeted it at him, and they, they both enjoyed that. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he g- actually, Capullo gave uh, gave me a bumper for this podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, because I waited in line because I wanted to get his Mr. Freeze print, which was fucking sick. 
and uh, yeah, I, I was second in line. <laughs> and got up there, and I was just like, he signed. Uh, I got him to sign Batman number one and Batman Annual number one, and uh, and I had my phone ready, and uh, it was already recording. I was like, can I get a bumper for my podcast? He's like, what's it called? I was like, an elegant weapon. And he did this whole fucking spiel. And uh, when you hear this, I'll put it on the front of this episode, and you can hear it when you listen to this. Nice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he was fucking jokes. Real super nice guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's what surprised me, too, because uh, when I went to Denver Comic Con, um, I went in with press passes, so I didn't have to wait in any lines or anything like that. And I, had, or I went with uh, another podcast team who actually – lives like 30 miles from me and they they like my art so much that they invited me along with them okay who's this uh comic talk 616 i think i've heard of them yeah i know i've heard of a few denver ones because of josh being out there because there's also uh girls of geek 12 and stuff but yeah sorry to interrupt go on no you're fine and um anyways so they put on the uh chart that they wanted to interview mark brooks and we didn't think we were gonna get it because uh our interview time was like five minutes before he had to do a panel well, uh, so the uh, coordinator for the con takes us to this, you know, backstage place, and uh, she's really nervous. She's like, no one's showing up to the panel. I don't know what to do, and she's just freaking out, <laughs> and she's on her walkie. She's like, okay, Mark Brooks is coming. No one has showed up to the panel because he was on a panel with, like, I think three other artists, and none of them showed up, and she's like, he's going to be very upset, so we're going to make this quick, three minutes tops, and then Mark Brooks comes walking around the corner just by himself and he's like he's got this big smile on his face he's like so what's going on <laughs> and, and like me and these two other guys we're just speechless work we don't know what to say and anyways uh the gal tells him that you know the panel got canceled and he's like well fuck it let's just chill here for 20 minutes so we got <laughs> we got to sit there with mark brooks for 20 minutes and he, oh my god he was like okay j scott campbell's cool but he's quiet okay mark brooks is like this enthusiastic charismatic like character he's just wonderful he was such a great guy to meet like i would have never thought i would be able to sit down right next to mark brooks and freaking oh it's just... awesome eh? when you when people are just even more than you expect them and they're just fucking awesome eh? yeah yeah, yeah. sometimes i'll have guests on this show and i don't expect them to be half as awesome as they end up being just for because you don't know them you know what i mean like some of them were like uh at motor city comic-con i got to hang out and uh, podcast with bob camp Oh, yeah? <clears throat> Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I did not expect him to be ha- – I, I didn't get an, a word in. It was just like an hour of him telling fucking crazy stories <laughs> and being like, fuck this and fuck this. And I was just like, you're awesome. Go. Oh. And he's just drinking and talking and drinking and talking. And he was so much fun. And I didn't expect that at all. I expected maybe, you know, because he's like an artist and have done all this stuff. Like he's pretty respected. You know what I mean? But yeah. then I thought about it, and I was like, well, he did spend how many years doing Ren and Stimpy, so. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that doesn't go for everybody, though, because I remember that morning that the, – the morning that I met uh, Mark Brooks – or, I'm sorry, the morning before I met Mark Brooks, uh, we sat down with Tom Sale, and he was doing uh, – I think he's he's doing the new Captain America, but uh, he was so grumpy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, that happens. He's like, yeah. you guys are nobody, and I don't have to talk to you because <laughs> I am an artist and I know what's up. So shove along, little children. Uh, that's oh great. man, it was just so degrading talking to him. Oh, he's got Chris Claremontitis, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a grumpy bastard too. Let me tell you, I don't even know why they're there. You know they're there for the buck. <laughs> oh yeah, some of them are, but I mean, like uh, Mark Brooks, he was just like. He he was loving the show, dude. You know, because he knew he knows he's a star, but he's not like in your face about it. You know. Oh, those ones are yeah. Like it's it's awesome when you have the the, the mid level kind of guys who some get big and they just stay in artist alley though. You know. Yeah. Like yeah, Stegman. That's... Stegman could probably you know start pulling more featured spots at certain cons, but he just keeps sitting at the table talking to people. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fucking it's awesome. That's why I love Toronto cons for that because. Uh, like I said, there's so many local guys coming out of here right now. I mean, two of them are drawing two of the Batman titles. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, so... see, I, see, that's my problem right now is that I'm not quite that skilled yet to actually try to look for a career with a developed company. I, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at then, man, because what I see is fucking <laughs> great. I don't, you... I don't see what you're seeing. I think you're, you may, perhaps you're a little too much of the self-critical type my friend because no it's awesome there's there's a lot of things that i have troubles with as an artist like getting on the paper and one of them is um just like architect stuff you know i can't houses and buildings and it's really hard just to i can get them in perspective that's not a problem but okay you know, I'll, I'll give you that yeah. that your backgrounds aren't quite as detailed as you know your actual figures may be in the situation but uh, it's cool that you recognize that, you know, of course, you never want to, you know, that's my job as a podcaster is to gush about your work and say it's awesome. It's your job as an artist to never be satisfied, of course, right? Right, right. Yeah, you gotta, it's always something new to work on, man. And it's yeah. great because, you know, that's the general thing. Lots of, like we were saying earlier, failed Kickstarters, but people just keep going. Like uh, friends of mine, uh, Andy and Chip, earlier in the year, they uh, they had a Kickstarter for their comic, The Adventures of Superstoner. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they didn't get funded, but that didn't slow them down an ounce. They just kept going, raising money somehow. And uh, you know, I think the book they put it out a little at a little cheaper cost than they had hoped to and stuff. You know, right? <clears throat> but they still they didn't give up. They didn't stop, and they got it out there. You know, it, it's and you know, kudos. And then they. They premiered it at the Cannabis Cup and stuff, and uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's all, you can't give up, even if that's. It's great that you have that attitude about the Kickstarter too, you know, because you know you can always try again, you can always do more. But <clears throat> well, it was it was kind of funny because our first two days, I think we made like five uh, percent, which isn't bad. I mean, if you put over a thirty day period, five percent in two days isn't bad. But uh, then it starts slowing down. I'm like, okay. It's all right. It's gonna be okay, Patch. You just gotta take this, <laughs> take this as it is, and keep going. That's <laughs> right. You just keep on, keep doing these, yeah. keep podcasting, keep getting the word out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and my my writer, he's like, he's like, quit fucking freaking out, Patch. This is fine. Like, <laughs> of the many yeah. many Kickstarters that I've had on this show, so far I've only had one fail, and that was the Adventures of Stoop, Super Stoner. Which oh, is yeah. which is crazy because this is a show where we get high and talk about Star Wars most of the time. <laughs> so you know. I, well, uh, well, I think our problem is, is that we prematurely put it out there because I mean no one's read a page 
okay i mean we we have like i think we're at 5500 likes on facebook right and that's over the duration of like two months three months that's great though that's fantastic it is but i mean people were more interested looking at the art than they were backing the thing because i i don't think they have a clue what's going on you know sometimes i don't have a clue what's going on with this thing (laughs) but um (laughs) so i yeah i think we definitely did prematurely um i think next go around we're gonna just start a uh, comic page blog and start putting pages up daily so that people can read it hey you gotta you gotta get uh reviews are good too man Oh, dude, like, since we put the Kickstarter up, I think we, this is, like, our 13th interview. Oh, yeah? Yeah, people are just hitting us left and right. And are even you sending before... out, like, any, do you have, like, any review copies of the book? Oh, no, no. Um, uh, we aren't going to do that until the Kickstarter fails, so. Ah, uh, gotcha. But I mean, I, it's always, gonna, a, you know. Yeah, we're going to put, like, 10 pages up of the preview for the Kickstarter, and then after that, we're going to start doing the daily blog, so. See, what I always end up doing is uh, people will send me reviews, because we also do written reviews. Uh, There's three of us on uh, pointsofinterestpodcast.com, and me, uh, this guy Jay Webb, and this guy Francis Fernandez, and all three of us will review one book separately. And then we'll, we'll post all three of those reviews at the same time. And, uh, yeah, it's just something we do for fun, you know, and, uh, because of that, we get tons of review copies, right? Well, I got PDFs coming out the yin yang. No kidding. Yeah. So I get all these PDFs and then, uh, if these PDFs do have a Kickstarter often because I'm in Canada, I I hate it, but often it'll be like a certain price for the book I can handle like seven, nine bucks or whatever. But then it's like 23 bucks extra for shipping to Canada. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, it it kills like Kickstarter kill uh, kills kills Canada. Canada. Yeah, it really yeah. does. So <laughs> it's hard to do for that for us. So what I'll often do when I get a PDF because you know I already got the digital copy, so I'll just do a no reward pledge and just like toss them five or ten bucks just to try to you know yeah help along. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice when people do that because then we can get the word out and you know it's. It's fun well, tell you what, since uh, since you're doing this, you know when the because the book's not finished. It's not. It's uh, 65 pages. Yeah, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of work to do still. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's only me drawing, coloring, you know, um, doing that and uh, lettering and. But anyways, um, I can shoot you over a copy. I mean, I've shipped stuff to Canada before. It's no more than like 12, 15 bucks. Hey, I'm really – however, you know, yeah, however, I want my hands on a copy of this one because I'm excited to read and go through this book with whatever you got, whenever you got. But, uh, yeah, so let's let's dive into that. We haven't talked much about the actual story. So why don't you set us up with uh, Corvus we've talked about, who's kind of the Gandalfian uh, badass crow magic, you know, elder character of the book. And uh, who else we got in there? Okay, so uh... – Corvus, and then we have the uh, main character who is Andy, that 12-year-old little girl. And uh, you'll hear me call her 12-year-old or 13-year-old. I just, you know, I just, we haven't really settled on how old she is. She's it's just in her preteens. It's not important to the story. Yeah, she's just that kind of preteen age sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And, okay, so she is just a normal girl. Um, I never liked the idea of having a special individual go out and save the world. So uh, she's just normal, and um, uh, one day her guardians, who happen to be the friends of her dead parents, 
find an old box from college up in the in the attic and they bring it down and it's got some little trinkets in it and like things from her baby years and then she pulls out this watch that's got these moons on it with uh, several uh dials and uh it looks like a like a regular wristwatch with moons on it but anyways um so she's all messing with it and it's broken and uh one night she falls asleep and she bumps it with her head while she rolls over and it activates this watch well as soon as it activates this watch it sends out a hit on her head because she's like the last person in this uh group of certain people who know how to travel to mad world and open up this thing that lets oblivion out <laughs> and and that's how corvus finds her because corvus was issued the warrant to take her head and uh happens that corvus is was good friends with her father back in mad world because uh mad world is where her father is eventually from ah so, and, I mean, the story gets really deep. Uh, I mean, I can tell you more, but I don't want to tell you yeah, too no, much. Yeah, no, don't spoil it too much at, at yeah. all. I just, uh, yeah, just adjust, you know, a general idea of what is Mad World, you know. Obviously, we'll learn tons about it as, you know, you read the book and stuff. But Well, uh, Mad World's not really the name of the place they go. It's just, it's the only name I felt proper for the book was Mad World because I got the inspiration to write this from reading Alice in Wonderland and Harry Potter and I'm like those things are so generic but they're so wonderful I'm like oh what yeah you you nailed that vein of that fantasy fairy tale thing wonderfully like perfectly like with your own kind of modern twist on it but you totally get what you're going for you're going for this uh, fantastical fairy tale kind of right you know vibe I guess you'd say yeah. And uh, for more characters, we've got uh, Iceland, who is that um, blonde-haired pirate, and she's 119, and she doesn't look like she's more than 19 years old because she never grows up. And to be honest, we haven't found out why yet, like even in our writing. It's just that's how she is. And the reason why that she, we developed her that way was because we just thought it would be funny as hell to have a 19-year-old Jack Sparrow running around fucking everything up. <laughs> <laughs> and totally. here, here's a, here's how we came about pirates, because there are pirates in the story. There's uh, got to be pirates. I, that's, you know, I was, <laughs> my son was seven when I wrote this for him. And he, he's he's going to be nine here in a couple months. But um, I was reading to him this one chapter, and he's like, Dad, that's really boring. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm running out of ideas. He's like, just put pirates in it, because pirates makes everything better. And I'm like, you are a fucking genius. <laughs> it's that simple. Sometimes they have to clarify it for you, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, pirates. And um, she's an elemental figure, so she can do all these water things. And um... But anyways, moving on to the next carrier, or sorry, character, is uh, Cayenne. It's the one with the cat ears. And I know that there's a lot of, like, animal suggestions on all these characters, like Corvus is a crow, Andy's got bunny ears, and then you got Cayenne who's got cat ears. Well, Andy gets bunny ears because um, in Mad World people can smell humans, because there are no humans in Mad World. Okay. Okay, so Iceland gives her this spell. Originally she was supposed to drink this little, you know, uh, soup of uh, witch brew, but uh, my writer turned it over to chopping something up and snorting it <laughs> sure right on 
<laughs> I've got to give him some leniency because then he'll go crazy. But anyways, the side effect was that she ended up getting bunny ears. There's no significance to the bunny ears other than they're bunny ears. That's it. That's great. It's well, it's Mad World. It's not really, or it's I guess a Mad World, but it's not supposed to make much sense. Is it? Right. Oh man, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so Cayenne is actually based off of a friend I used to know, and um, uh, it was an English teacher, and I was like, that'd be so cool because I love literature. I love like uh, 1500s, 1600s English literature, and. I wanted to incorporate that with a character, and I was like, you know, English teacher, she had a great character, personality, she was fun going, at the same time she was really brutal, so I was like, I'm going to throw her in there, and she's basically the know-it-all. Um, I mean, there's, she's the bookworm, you ask her something, she knows it. The bard, right. I guess, is the best way to put it. But these first She's a couple, science officer. A science officer, that's a you good You've got to have your Vulcan with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the first several issues revolves around her. She That's what it really – see, I had to add Andy in there because uh, everything that they go through are things that I've gone through in my life, and it was so mundane that I nobody could stand it when I when I pitched it to them to read it. Like all my friends, beta readers, like this is so bland. So I'm like I, I needed to have another character to tell the story from a small child's point of view because everything's just so much more epic. And um, – so that's why she's in there, and so Cayenne end up, ends up leading them on this giant quest to go kill this one person in the desert, and it's the Desert Kingdom, and that's the first what the first book is called is the Desert Kingdom, but that's all I can really say without um, putting out too much, and you... Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So were you always a fan of fan, like kind of fantasy fairy tale type stuff more than like kind of the superhero genres were you were you always like into that kind of side of what was wonderful about the 80s and stuff although i'm getting the impression you're a little bit younger than me though are you more of a 90s kid early 90s kid <laughs> i was born in 88 okay yeah yeah all right yeah yeah <laughs> uh, well when i was when i was growing up it was really hard to get things like in my house that I could be influenced by because my mom was a pastor. Really? And, wow. Yeah. So like I saw like the first time I saw the crow, I think I was seventeen. Wow. Um, aliens, aliens too, you know, things like that. I was all seventeen. Um and anyways, so I think the first movie that I actually watched or the first two movies I watched that were really like kind of fantasy based that I loved were the Dark Crystal, and then that cheesy Warner Brothers movie, Quest for Camelot. Nice. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is so cool. You know, this beats Sunday morning cartoons. And I say Sunday morning because it's oh. all, you know, Christian-related stuff. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, it got to the point where I was sneaking comic books into my house. Awesome. Awesome. Total, man. Contraband. Yeah. Contraband. This is the fucking book of the devil, man. That's totally for sure. Sounds like you're about 10 years off the pace of where you should have been, man. Cause, yeah, man, I had when a I lot got of catching to, up oh, to do. Man, that was the greatest thing about... It's what makes me so excited about that they're doing with this new Star Wars movie is going to the practical effects and stuff because... I know, I know. You know, when it's... I think back to when I saw those movies as an actual child, you know, the Dark Crystal and, like you say, the, even even cartoon ones like The Last Unicorn, and there was so much of that legend and there was just so much of that going on at that time that right. it, it just... It, it, it's so ingrained in you, you know? 
Yeah. You know, and like you, I was a big I was a big reader when I was a kid as well. I read a lot of the classics. I couldn't read enough when I was a kid, and I read a lot of the old Alice in Wonderland and stuff. You know, so Wizard of Oz and just whatever I get my hands on. Jungle Book was a favorite of mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I didn't actually start reading until I was like twenty, because when I was a kid, it was just all art, 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 and uh, I wasn't brought up in traditional schools, so oh, yeah. all that. Yeah, all that stuff was taken away from me. And uh, so, yeah, that character, Cayenne, she actually introduced me into this world of literature, and I seriously read for like three years, just nonstop, read and wrote. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, oh, my God, why do I watch TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, TV's all made from some book somewhere anyways, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, it, it is, it is, but I mean... Uh, I mean, you can't get lost in television anymore. I mean, everything, everything's plagiarism as it begins with. And, you know, it's like, when's the last time you saw a nice original movie? It's, it's just the same thing over and over again. And original, yeah. It's very true. They're always making something based on something or something from a story from something nowadays. You know, that's one I mean, thing that was great about the 80s, too, was everything was original. Nothing yeah. was based on fucking anything. And now everything <laughs> else now is based on the shit from then that was original then, you know? Right. It's a right. fucking horrible cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to sit next to your eight-year-old son watching Transformers, just looking at him and trying to explain how this is totally wrong. <laughs> it's like this whole yeah. thing's messed up. Yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't understand. So yeah. I'm sitting there with my three-year-old the other day, right? Uh-huh. And we're watching Transformers Generation 1. And sound waves on it. So sound wave transforms. Right. And my son turns to me and says, Daddy, what's that? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what, what is that? What did you just turn into? And I was like, oh, oh, my God, it's a cassette recorder. And he's like, what the hell is that? And Dude, I, I bought my son a VCR, and he was just like, oh, my God, this is new technology. And I'm like, no, dude, it's not. It's not. <laughs> We've just kept you sheltered from it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, just when it stopped scratching the DVDs, so I was like, you're getting a VHS, and that's the end of it. And you can pound away on that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, cause a couple weeks ago, I was in a convenience store near my house here, and they had a VHS copy of 89 Batman on really? the shelf. For some reason, it was only like six ninety nine, even though, and I was like, why the hell don't I buy that? And then I didn't, and I went back, and someone had bought it. I couldn't believe it, and I was like, why wasn't it me? I have really? no VCR, but, you know. <laughs> Dude, like, if you go to these thrift shops, and uh, that's become really popular with kids nowadays, but you go to these thrift shops and you pick up a VHS for 50 cents. Like, I give my son 10 bucks. I'm like, just have at it, dude. Yeah. You know, <laughs> find, find a movie for every day for the month, man. Yeah, you know? if, if you get a VCR, have at it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've actually, we pretty much decided we're going to get rid of the cable here in our house. Because just with Netflix and all the movies you'd watch anyways, there's just yeah. no need for it. Especially also websites show all the yeah. shows that you'd watch on cable. Right. You know, if right. I can't watch Walking Dead on cable, I'll watch it on AMC.com. <laughs> 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 I know. Why is cable even around anymore other than commercials? But, yeah. Well, yeah. it's going to – it's it's really going to – it's it's amazing how the genre stuff is changing the way it's done entirely. Like, like Netflix had a couple of kind of fledging new ideas and trying to make these shows and new series, and right. now it's going to go nuts. Now you're going to have all these people tuning in to, like, Daredevil and stuff, and 
Well, it's good because like indie is coming back, dude. Like yeah, totally. You know, and everybody's supporting it. There's a lot of people out there who just love indie stuff, yeah. and it it wasn't like that what, mere six seven years ago. Well, you couldn't do half the stuff you could do. There was no Kickstarter. There was you know right, right, and you know that's that's a good thing because I mean it it really puts Hollywood in its place. It's like you aren't the only ones who get to do this, you know, and you're not the only ones who get the influence. And I just find it remarkable. I love finding indie movies, even if they're so poor, you know. I mean, you can tell that they poured their hearts into it. And then, um, yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars fans have known for years that George Lucas was done. He was never a good director. He only ever directed the first one. Don't do the right. other three. There are some beautiful I'm, – I'm kind of a bit of a prequel apologist. <laughs> there are things that I just love. Because more for me are, are Jedi than Star Wars. I'm more oh, yeah. of a fan of Jedi and Sith relations and such than the whole movie thing. I really am. That's oh. why I got really big into the comics and the books because I love to read all about that crap. So you can imagine how my heart broke when they were all like, yeah, none of that happened. And I was like, oh, there's 20 years of my life that didn't count. What? Yeah, but, I know. I know. know. But Did they is... already get the uh, Star Wars away from Dark Horse? That's not – it's it's officially gonna happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I hasn't think happened. yeah, they're 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 Dark Horse is finishing it off strong by doing uh, a redoing of the Star Wars, and they're also doing the Star Wars, which is the series based on Lucas's rough draft of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's kind of similar but different, and it's all about Anakin Starkiller and all this stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's an, it's a really neat read. So they're going out with a bang, but yeah, then it'll go back to Marvel, you know, but. I've been saying for years, as many other Star Wars fans have, let go of it, Lucas. Let someone else do it. And never in my wildest dreams did I think it would have been J.J. <laughs> Abrams, which you know, uh, that, that pleases me. But like you say, you know, things got to – sometimes you just got to let it go. Like Michael Bay, you obviously never were a Transformers fan at the time or you'd understand how bad this is. Right. You know, I literally saw an article the other day on why people – are, can't help but watch Michael Bay movies even though they hate them. Right. Yeah, I think I said that, or, or sorry, read the same thing. Or Yeah. It's just, it's terrible because it's, I mean, it's the only thing you got left from your childhood and they make it look appealing as fuck, but the story's not there. Yeah, it's just, there's no reason to change things when they're good, you know? Like, there's no... Well, it's like that new... Uh, uh, Ninja Turtles movie. You know, I'm going to watch it, of course. You know, I love to see what people do and what they come up with, but it's like change plot, don't change character. You yeah, know? yeah. Why? It's it's literally, no one would be complaining about that movie pretty much. Like, there'd be a few complaints, like White Shredder and stuff. But other than that, if their faces were normal or a little more turtle-ish and they didn't have that, like, human nose, I would be all about this movie. I'd be like, I can't wait to see it. I love the first one. This one looks awesome. That's literally the only thing. When I'm watching the screen or the trailer, I, I can't take my eyes away from the stupidity of their faces. And that's totally going to kill the movie for me, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's an well, unnecessary it, it, change. The most interesting thing about that is it's not like the Ninja Turtles have been dead for, like, 20 years, you know? Yeah. I mean, even my son watches that new Ninja Turtles on on Nickelodeon. It's awesome. And they, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And um, they look like they did back in the '80s. You know, they yeah. they look like it. They're just a little bit more, you know, up to date, just a little bit. But then Michael has to take these and just fuck them up. Yeah. You know, and there's no excuse for that. 
you know, Optimus Prime, you know, that's probably the best he's ever looked in, in, in animation, although it's CG. But, you know, he doesn't look too far-fetched from the original. Yeah, I hear they really streamlined him, and they made him look a lot less detailed and, compl- and complicated in this one, you know? It's... Right. That, that would be nice to see, but, you know, at least there's some Dinobots and stuff. I like the that they did put some kind of Easter eggs, but, you know... Like Jetfire, I love the idea that they added him, but why did they have to make him this weird old crotchety? That was one of the episodes of Transformers that always stuck out was uh, when Jetfire was on, man. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that was that was a classic one because he was very Robotech-esque. He was basically a ripoff of like a, a Robotech, you know, <laughs> mech. Yeah. And... Uh, and they put him in the Transformers, and everybody freaked out because they were like, "Robotech's a Transformer now," <laughs> you know. So that was that was a big episode where that happened. Man, there was a few. There's moments like that in the '80s. I remember that were like the water cooler moments for kids in the playground. You know, yeah, that was one of them. When uh, when Duke in GI Joe Serpentor shot, uh, he threw a, a cobra spear through Duke's shoulder and chest. And for the first time ever, you saw blood on G.I. Joe. <laughs> and the whole fucking, like, continent of kids just went, <gasps> and that was all you talked about for, like, the next month. For that summer, it became G.I. Joe because Duke took a fucking cobra spear to the fucking shoulder, you know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't grow up with the uh, 2D animation uh, Transformers. I grew up with Beast Wars. Yeah, I... Man, that was pretty cool. Like I was, you know, late teens watching that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was it was cool though because they. Did... It was a great story, man. That was. That's exactly a fantastic right. Fantastic story. Yeah. I, I didn't miss a show for like three se- or summers, man. Like it was it really changed my life. <laughs> you know, it was really you know? complimentary to the generation one and stuff for sure. I even enjoyed the new one. The. Uh... The Prime Transformers Prime, yeah, they're they're yeah. you know they're pretty good pulling it off on that one too. So yeah, yeah. Transformers were fun, man. It was it was always good time, good times indeed. Yeah, I spent a lot of allowance on toys and stuff like that. I mean, you would have grown up more at a Power Rangers time, wouldn't you? Yeah, but I never, I could never get into Power Me Rangers. Me neither, man. I never under, I still don't understand, especially now that they're all nostalgic and people are you know they're popular again because of right kids got to a certain age as you know the circle goes and everything but good lord it's yeah, it was, a horrible it was, show <laughs> <laughs> it was never mom i need this red power ranger it was like mom i need this box of legos and optimal optimus please yeah you know? yeah yeah and that was that was it and uh but, I mean, uh, I remember taking my Beast Wars action figures and doing stop animation with them when I was 10 years old and making them fight and stuff. Nice. Yeah, I used to do a bit of that with the action figures. I remember having a Silver Surfer that I strung up on, like, fishing wire. Mm-hmm. And I made it, like, fly around the room and stuff, you know, fighting other action figures. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have gotten a pretty good aging viewing of uh, Batman the Animated Series, wouldn't you? I actually never got into Batman. Oh, nope. Like it, it was, it was really weird when I was growing up. Uh, all my friends were Marvel, you know, Marvel fanatics, and uh, that's how I got into it. And none of the DC characters felt appealing to me. Um, you know, Batman, the movies, they were, you know, those terrible movies like Batman and Robin, Batman, 
Um, oh yeah, those ones would have been around that time, I guess. Forever. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were every. I remember when Taco Bell was giving away the uh, Batmobile. Oh, yeah. you grew up in a shitty Bat time. I did, I did, and it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and the Nibble Batman. Oh, see, dude, I was 13 and... years old in 1989, sitting in the theater waiting for fucking Tim Burton's Batman, and it was one. It was a moment I'll never forget. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. 25 <laughs> years ago, you know. Jesus, has it really been that long? It just it was a couple of weeks ago. It was the 25th uh, anniversary of the release of Tim Burton's Batman. Man, they should do something with Michael Keaton. I heard he's doing a new Beetlejuice. They've talked about that for a long time. He could, he could still pull it off because that's not the kind of character that it matters at the age as much. He's got the makeup and shit, right? Right. And Why? he's aged well, too. He's aged really well. Yeah, he didn't look too bad in uh, Robocop. I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's you know, easy. It's, it's, it's good and it's bad. That's the best way to put it. It's just good and bad. I mean, it's Robocop you know 2000 and uh you know he's got some cool functions on there he's completely lifeless which is good um you know the plot's not that good but uh and i don't know i mean if you just want to see you know uh a mechoid human run around shooting stuff that's pretty much what you're well, gonna here's see. the thing it's not rated r right yes i know and yeah. i fight my brother about this i'm like it's not as good he loves it and i'm like dude how can you say that after being terrified of watching robocop when you were 10 oh, years yeah. oh yeah oh yeah you when know that guy when the acid falls on that guy. oh that that's exactly what i told him too yeah. i'm like and he starts walking across that little alleyway yeah he's like the car oh, just God, hits God. him yeah come on <laughs> yeah. that's fucking insane man the closest thing i was really proud of sylvester stallone when he did the last rambo movie because it was a fucking gore fest 1980s style Really? Yeah, it was how long ago was that movie? Five years ago or something like that? Maybe a little longer that he did. Uh, he did the last Rambo movie, and it, it is insanely gory. <laughs> it's like I there hasn't been a movie made this just flat out fucking like grotesque glory gore in in years. See, that's what upset me about uh, the AVP movies that came out. None of them were rated R. I'm like, yeah. How can you do this? You Same know? thing with Wolverine. You're never going to pull off a decent Wolverine movie until it's rated R. Right. You right. cannot do it. I don't care who you are, what you're going to try and pull right. off. His claws are sharper than you people are showing. Like, <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> well, that's all Fox. Fox won't. That's what Fox did with AVP. They won't let him do with the X-Men. Yeah. You know? It's just, it, oh, it's shite, man. Like, you know, they get more money when it's PG-13. So. Yeah, it's a little wider audience, right? Definitely. Yeah, more ticket sales. Just... Are you, did you ever sneak into a movie theater because something was rated R? Oh, yeah. But yeah, it, kids can't do that anymore. You know, it's just it's not fair to this next generation. They don't have that experience. Yeah, but, well, you just buy a ticket to something and walk into something else, and we never had a problem with it. You know, I bet you I don't think it would be that tough here now, depending on the time you saw a movie. Right. That's the thing. Back in the day, there weren't, like, movie plexes everywhere you know you had to go to the mall where they had like four cinemas or you know a standalone theater that had like four or five cinemas and now you have these multiplexes that are like you know 20 cinemas two imax fucking 24 hours of movies like <laughs> yeah yeah I, I still live in a town where there's only one movie theater really yeah wow so yeah and, and the line goes around the block it's it's pretty cool that's kind of cute yeah see we yeah. got i love that we still have a drive-in over here Oh, yeah, we, we do, too. Oh, yeah. that's great. That's one of my favorite things to do in the world. Is They did a really cool thing when uh, 
Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine came out. Was that that was last summer? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a comic shop here up in uh, Streetsville near me. Oh, I can't remember what it's called though. It's not my LCS. It's a little further out. Although I got like ten comic shops around here. We're so spoiled. Really, but, I have none. Oh yeah, I know it's it's rough. But you guys also have Mile High. But I guess that's pretty far from. Well, I I don't live in Denver. I live in right. Grand Junction. That's three hundred miles away. You're like four or five hours away or something, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's too bad because Mile High is fucking classic to anyone oh, yeah. who knows yeah. it. You know. But yeah, well, we're very spoiled here. We know that too because it's you know just college towns and stuff. There's just artists everywhere. Uh, like there's a tech tech college over here, Sheridan, and it's where Disney hires all its animators out of. No kidding. Yeah, so it's just an insane amount of fucking art stores and you know supply stores, comic shops. There's there's shops here that are just graphic novel shops. Like forget Seriously? comic shop. Yeah, there's there's one. It's called I am Labyrinth. in the wrong country. I yeah. swear. It's called Labyrinth, and it's nothing but graphic novels and some manga. But uh, where was I going? I was going somewhere with all don't even remember <laughs> oh yeah the driving ha i pulled the that drive one back kids right yeah the doobie wasn't that enormous um they the comic shop i can't remember what they're called but they had uh, a bunch of local artist friends of theirs come to the drive-in they set up tables and stuff and they had the artists there drawing pictures for kids and doing commissions if you want and they had a bunch of cosplayers there just hanging out you know barbecuing hanging out with the kids and this and that because it was uh -huh. like a kid's movie and Wolverine. And it was the greatest idea. I thought it was so cool. So I couldn't even help myself. I, I jumped out of my car and went and talked to them and podcasted with a few of them. <laughs> I was like, what are you all doing here? This is fucking awesome. Man. Bam! Now you're on a podcast. Talk. <laughs> yeah, people, I don't know. People around here just don't, aren't like that, man. Like, they, they're not inspired and they're just so dry and ugh. Well, it sounds like you're in a pretty, like, dull, quiet, small part of town, though, yeah? I, I live in the middle of a desert. Wow. You have deserts yeah. in Colorado? Oh, uh, well, it's the, uh, like, the adobes, you know. Oh, okay, um, all right, yeah. I mean, it, it's the western slope, so it's all desert. I mean, we're, we're right next to Utah. And, um, yeah, so it's, I mean, there's trees where people have planted them. There's trees along the rivers. But uh, when you, you can just drive out for, like, 50 miles and not see anything around for ever, so. Do you live in a hippie commune? Actually, no. It's a very, it's a very conservative farmers, you know, corn town. So. Are you Amish? I wish. <laughs> I wish I knew how to make butter. <laughs> I wish I could build a barn with ropes and pulleys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I do know how to ride horses though, so I guess that's all right. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. That's. Uh, that's uh, all right. I don't know. girls. Girls like it. I don't. I don't really like well, it. It's pretty fucking awesome. Guys like it. I think it'd be cool, man. But you kind of grew up with. Learning how to do it and doing it, though, I guess, yeah? No, actually, no. Oh, I, really? <laughs> I, yeah, that, that that wasn't my my family's lifestyle at all. Um, I don't know how to describe my family. My family's really strange, dude. That's, like, another podcast. I mean, <laughs> That's cool, but I'm just, I'll, like, late in life, did you just decide, oh, I'm going to start riding horses? Well, I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I really want to do something, I'll just go do it. And um, one day, my friend's like, I got a horse. I just jumped on it and started riding since then. Oh, so, man, uh, that's fucking cool. I wish I had a friend with a horse. He's like, hop on. <laughs> I'd be like, shit, yeah, I'll hop on. Okay, so it's it's not that badass the way it is. The first time I did it, I actually <laughs> slid the saddle underneath the horse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't... 
I don't tell many people that part. I'm just like, yeah, I, I seriously got on the horse the second time and just started running with it. And um, <laughs> everybody freaked out. They're like, oh, my God, the horse took off with Patch. And they caught up to me, and I was just still running. They're like, stop. And I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've had a couple girlfriends in the past who uh, rode horses. And I'd go to the barn with them once in a while. And they're just they're intimidating as fuck to me. They're just, I know they're gentle and nice and sweet and smart, but they just intimidate the fuck out of me. I'm just like, well, any, any minute you can just bite my entire face off in one motion. <laughs> well, they're, they're like dogs. You give them a treat once in a while, you got to hit them once in a while, and you never stare at them in the fucking eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? You know? Don't fucking... I, I had a horse bit my, or bite my arm once, and it is seriously a pain, dude. Oh, like, that's got to kill. That's good. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, and the and the strangest thing about a horse is actually their mouths, their teeth, because they have like human teeth, you know. They're just—it looks like the same setup that you and I have, and they're, they're just, just huge, giant, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just so fucking scary. Um, giant yeah. ass fucking molars chomping down on your fucking forearm. <laughs> but uh, I recently uh, met my real father uh, two years ago. What? <laughs> And don't, I told you. Don't my, forget you're on a podcast, dude. <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone's going to hear this. I'm just reminding you. People will hear this. But anyways, he's he's been a rancher. He's, uh, he's 75, I think. What? And anyways, um, he's been uh, a rancher his entire life. And he like, yeah, I got up there and helped him with the horses and stuff. And I had a lot of experience with him. And then I had one fucking kick me over, dude. And it was the first time ever. And I was like, I fucking hate horses. <laughs> I fucking hate them. They're they're despicable. They're ugly. They fucking stink. You gotta take care of them more than you do yourself. You know, it's just, God, buy a fucking Volvo. Get rid of the horse. Oh uh, yeah, I could see that be a lot of work, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the ranching too. Ranch is always something I thought, you know, working with horses or on a farm might have been fun. Or I even once in a while think about if it would be cool to go and try uh, mining for gold up in the Yukon, like all those stupid shows. Oh, yeah. It would be neat to try different things that – see, I'm a tr I'm an arborist, right? Mm hmm So I'm a tree climber. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's a fairly dangerous occupation. Right. And uh, it takes a certain, a certain set of skills, and you know, to <laughs> – to not fucking die. <laughs> how, how tall are your trees that you're climbing? Uh, well, they range, right? They'll range from whatever, like 10 feet to 120 feet. Right. So, because uh, I'm a city arborist. Uh, okay, okay. So well, I just spent 13 years doing private, and uh, basically, I tried sales for a bit, and I just I didn't dig it, and uh, I decided to go do it for the town, which is. It's a real nice setup, you know, unions and such. I've never been a big fan of unions, but if it's going to help me feel like I'm semi-retired, I get more money to do less work. Hey, that gives more time to podcast in my older days. <laughs> so I kind of did that, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a very wide range, especially up here. I mean, you can imagine we're a pretty forested area, right? Right. So there's a lot of work that goes into keeping the balance in an urban environment of trees falling and killing people and higher, you know. So I, I got a question because, you know, I, I ask all these people I talk to who are from, you know, the North Country. Yes. Um, have you ever been attacked by a moose? Um, I personally have not. But my cousins a few years ago were charged down by a bull, yeah. 
Yeah. They were out. Uh, they were actually out moose hunting, and uh, probably about three and a half hours north of Toronto. They were moose hunting, and it was rutting season, and they were shaking some trees and stuff, because they saw some moose in one direction over in a certain area. So they started shaking and trying to attract them and stuff. Right. And then out of nowhere, from the complete opposite direction, this fucking one moose just started charging down on them. And <laughs> uh, the only thing you can do, or at least the smartest thing you can do, is run uphill. Don't run up a tree. Don't just run away. Run uphill, because they suck at it. The one really? thing a lot of people don't realize, moose going uphill fucking suck. They don't have good knees. They can gallop like straight on pretty fast and you know, they can take shit out, but your best chance is to run uphill away from a moose. And that's what they did. My cousin just fucking bolted it, started running uphill. <laughs> and the thing gave up and kind of just, you know, took off. But Damn. uh <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Like I, you know, I, I've always wanted to hunt moose, but uh, this winter I'm hunting bear, and yeah, uh, my aunt killed a bear last winter. Yeah, and it's funny because when you when you tell people to or tell that to people around here, they're like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you're gonna die," and then you know you talk to people up in Canada, they're like, "Ah, it's everyday stuff," you know, and I'm just like, "It's so it must be so nice up there," you know. Well, you know, and it's not that kind of, there's no, you got to go a few hours north and then it's normal everyday stuff, you know, like from maybe an hour north of Toronto is where it starts to get woody country, cottage country, look out for bears area, you know? Oh, really? And then from south down is, is Toronto, which is, mon it's the fourth largest city in North America, you know, it's fucking, it's monstrous, it's a mini New York. No and, kidding. Oh yeah, and it's as city as it gets. It's it's mega city. They call it the mega city. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> yeah, just last year, yeah, just last year we beat Chicago as the fourth biggest in North America. No shit. Yeah. So when you think of Toronto, think of like a Chicago, New York kind of metropolitan city, and then an hour outside of that is exactly the stereotype you'd think, where it's just <laughs> fucking like Indian country and rivers and you know. That must be and... so cool because it you can't cool. you can't do that around here. You know, you can't just travel an hour. Well, I guess you can from Denver, but I mean, every every hour you get to see another you know established city, and um, they're far and few from between. And it's just yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's hard to find some peace and quiet sometimes. So, <clears throat> you know, we're very lucky. I mean, a when you're in Toronto, it, Toronto's right on Lake Ontario too. So your daily life is on a lake. Like, I work and see the, a giant, beautiful lake every day. But it's not until you go with what we would call, we call it up north. So, you know, it's every weekend. If you're talking to your buddy, say, at work, you're like, so you're going up north this weekend, you know? What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going up north, you know? That'd be what you hear. So you go up north. And that can be anywhere from an hour away to fucking five hours away. <laughs> and then beyond that is when you start getting into crazy places like Thunder Bay in Manitowoc where my aunt lives and that's like 14 hours north of like Thunder Bay which is starting to get like they're closer to Greenland at that point than they are Toronto you know cause they're getting so far north and you know it's a, it's a really cool country it is to live in you know but uh, I know certain areas of Colorado have some nutty stuff like mountain lions and cougars and shit too oh yeah yeah those are I mean we actually had one down here last summer uh, disturbing the peace. Um, actually got a funny, funny, sad bear story. 
it was a, a little brown bear and uh it wandered into town and it was it was just a it wasn't quite a cub but it wasn't quite full grown but anyways it went to this woman's backyard climbed the tree and it was just chilling up there and the next morning she walked out with her cup of tea saw it and screamed called the police <laughs> and the police and the fire department show up and uh they're like they're standing around the street and there's like 30 of them okay because got nothing else better to do around here and they're like how the fuck are we gonna get this thing down because we don't really have an animal control unit here and so what they decided to do was tranquilize it and wait for it to fall from the tree. And, you know, that, that makes sense. You know, it's not going to hurt the bear too bad. So you you think the next logical thing to do is to put it in a cage and then drive it back up to the mountain. But um, instead what they do is they wait for it to wake up and then they start cartelling it down the highway. And then a truck came by and hit it and killed it. Oh, my them. God. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh shit! That's that, totally that... a sad bear story. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's like that's the biggest stuff that really happens, I guess. I you know. gotta like think of bears at your cottage, and you gotta think of things like mainly garbage. If you leave garbage out, the bears are coming. And if Dude, your garbage is outside, had that... you gotta lock that shit up tight. I think it was in Rifle down here in Colorado where uh, the woman was feeding bears through her fence line. Okay, and uh, it was just this hole in the fence. It was, I think it was like a privacy fence, but she was feeding the bears through them. And one day she stopped feeding them. And so the bears decided to take down the fence and go into her yard and just slaughter her, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's that's the mentality of people is that they're just so crazy around here. They, they don't think it twice over, you know. Um, oh, it's just that's a nutty thing to hear, man. It's a nutty thing to, to hear in a, in, a, in a mad, mad world. <laughs> so um you know i think uh we'll start bringing it around now at this time so let's refresh everybody's memories here why don't you uh again tell everybody where the kickstarter is what it is who you're working with and anything else that you want to have out there into the ether oh well this right now is the only thing i'm really working on um if you want to find it it's at facebook.com slash comics and um, I mean, we'll have the link to the Kickstarter is all over that page, and there's there's a lot more art on that page than there is the Kickstarter. So it's a it's some fun stuff to check out. We recently had a contest where we were giving some stuff away, and uh, that just ended I think five days ago. But um, so far, good reviews, good support from fans, and uh, yeah, it's been great. That's uh, that's awesome to hear. I want you kids to go check out Mad World on Kickstarter. Because uh, the art alone is enough to make uh, the story worthy of being given a shot to be seen and read by the planet. So go pledge what you can, because I know you can get a dollar. Because I know you're gonna get a coffee in the morning, and uh, you know just get a, get something, just do something else instead. You know, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, support indie comics, kids. You know we like to do that around here. Patch, uh, my new friend, I had a fantastic time. Thank you so much for hanging out, man. Oh yeah, man. Thanks. It's yeah, this has been fun. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks, so it's been great. Um, yeah. you're welcome back anytime, dude. Keep us appraised of the situation, and uh, we will definitely chat again in the future and see how things are coming along and what's new with the project and such. But uh, in the meantime, good luck. Uh, you know, and uh, everybody pledge. Uh, again, Mad World Kickstarter. That is all that we're going to have this week, kids, for an elegant weapon. Take it easy.